Good morning, Saskatchewan. Welcome to Garden Talk. I'm Rick Van Damnick, and with me is Jay, is not, is Jill Van Damnick. Jay will be joining us shortly. We all had to do... We had to do a little run. We, we had, had to we join had, the marathon. We had to join the marathon. We didn't realize all the streets were plugged off. <laughs> so we had to join the marathon and run in because they would not let us down the street. So we had quite a few blocks to run to make it on time. So <laughs> Sorry about our shortness of breath. <laughs> shortness of breath here. So, uh, But yeah, no, welcome to Garden Talk. Well, give us a call. one 877 And you can join us by either calling or give us a text. That's one 332 8255. So, Jill, we had uh, lots of going on this weekend. Yeah. On Friday, we had the, our first our first inaugural, like, back-to-it uh, chocolate cure fashion show. The first one since 2019, and we had um, over 400 people at the greenhouse at Dutch Growers. We in had, Saskatoon. In Saskatoon, yep. and we had the runways lined with pumpkins and fall color in trees, and everybody enjoyed a great night. Um, it was just incredible um seeing especially the um the couture the, the couture cancer, models cancer couture models so yes. these are all cancer survivors and and women that are um are currently um experiencing treatment with cancer and um they were able some of them were able to tell their stories and uh it was, it's just incredible the way that um cancer is impacting the the community and it yeah. impacts everybody around it and i just love this cause that chocolate cure does in the cancer foundation and we're actually purchasing equipment that is used right here in the cancer center yeah. in and Saskatoon. it's it's amazing because you know what what impacted me so much is that the age right from very young to quite a bit older yeah that were affected by cancer and just seeing them with all the support of all the people in the crowd the emotion yeah. It was, it was, it quite was, emotional. it was quite something. And, uh, so we raised a bunch of money last, on Friday night. And so it was, it was, it was, uh, it was a great time. Yeah. It was so much fun to get back into events and sort of to yeah. kick off another season of, uh, of raising money for a cause and then running in here today. And that <laughs> one's for the run is for mental yeah. health too. So it's just, it's really nice to see the community coming together to raise money for these great causes. And then yesterday we had the other side of it. We had, uh, we had a, an emotional time again. Yeah. A memorial for my aunt. Shelly um, and she passed away in February of breast cancer yeah. and uh, and she was she was the she was the chair since 2007 of chocolate cure yeah. like of the cancer fundraiser and she was on the board of the cancer foundation Found, well. she was the, the, founding one of, member. the founding members of the cancer board foundation yes so it was nice to be able to lay her to rest and share some memories and yeah. it was incredible to see family come together from across three provinces and you know what looking around that room not one aunt and uncle or cousin was missing. Yeah, it was, um, good it was incredible. Yeah. It was great. Anyways, we're going to go right to the calls here. Jill, uh, we got Judy over in Maple Creek. Good morning, Judy. How are you? I'm just fine, thank you. Uh, I have two crabapple trees that have been planted for at least 20 years, maybe a little longer. <clears throat> yep. Excuse me. Um, this year, there were thousands. The blossoms were so prophilic on it, you couldn't see a branch. Yeah. So, of course, I got a million and two yep. uh, crab apples. Yes. So what does that mean for next year? Next year, what you want to do is you want to do a bit of a pruning this fall, okay? This fall or, or otherwise, basically, once the leaves all fall off, uh-huh. do a pruning, thin the per- tree out a bit. Any long branches that might have been causing a problems that you need to trim back, you know, back the length of them, you know, because obviously... Okay. Obviously, that many apples, they were, the branches were weighing down pretty good. Yes, right? they were. They were touching the ground, actually. Yeah. So you can prune some of those back so that you just take some of the weight off of them. Okay. You thin them out. I don't like to pollard the tree, which means cut the top off. Okay. I like to, because what happens is that when you've got a main stem going up, and then it usually forks off into two or three. Uh-huh. So what I'll do is I'll take two of them off if there's three and leave one there. Or if there's okay. two, I'll take one off and leave one there. It's, it's healthier for the tree because then you don't get all these what are called water sprouts that go three feet tall next year. And, and there's going to be wherever you make one cut, there'll be two or three more branches, right? Okay. So you just, you're just making it worse and worse and worse as the years go by. So better off to just be one or thin, the, thin it out so that you get more light into the tree. Mm-hmm. And then you've got more sustainable way that you don't get a big rat's nest in the middle of the tree with all these branches and all these apples that you can't even get at because how do you get at them with all those branches? Yeah, that, that was that was difficult but yeah. you shake a branch and they fell to the ground pretty easy <laughs> yeah. so yeah just just a good pruning either do it this fall in october right okay. or otherwise do it in march or the first week of april okay 
Thank okay. you very much. And then also next next spring, fertilized with a fruit and berry fertilizer one time in the spring. Okay. It, it just adds all the micronutrients because it, it expended a lot of energy to, to produce all those apples. So otherwise, if you don't give them some energy back again or if you don't do pruning, sometimes they'll take a year off. Okay. Well, that wouldn't hurt my feelings at all either. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that, that's for the health of the tree. That, that's probably the best thing to do right there. Okay. Thanks okay. very much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. So, Jill, we also have here, uh, we have here uh, just quickly what we... Oh, we're doing for time here. Now we've got a few seconds here. We'll just get. We'll do a, a text here. I have an Evans cherry tree runners on our, in our garden. Is there any way to propagate these runners? Um, we need we need a bunch of new trees. Uh, this is from Hugh from uh, from looks like Torquay or Norquay. Um, so Evans cherry is on their own root. So you can take as long as you got some some good fibrous root system on that. You can take suckers. And plant them all, they'll, they'll still be true to name on the same type of... Uh, and if you want to cut them off, would you root them in water first or stick nope, them straight into the soil? Plant them straight in the soil. Okay. They'll be fine. Anyways, we've got somebody on the phone lines right now. So in Saskatoon, we're going to get Ian on the line. Hi there, Ian. How are you? Hi, not too bad. Good morning. Good morning. Um, i got a couple of quick questions for you. I have these mushrooms that are showing up in my lawn. They're like five, six inches tall, great big white heads with kind of like black around them. Somebody told me that the uh, the vegans make ink pasta or something out of these. So I have no idea. I've never had these for 20, 22 years, and now I'm getting tons of them. Yep. What causes that? What causes that is a buildup of, of thatch or something they're living on, which is an old root or something, a root that's dying or decaying, you know, from an old tree or an old bo- a shrub or something like that, and or otherwise just a buildup of thatch, or it could be, an old two by four or a piece of plywood from construction a long time ago. It could be a whole bunch of things, and and the conditions just end up being just right for it, for that to happen. The other thing that I found in my yard could the same thing. There was some trees removed underneath the grass, yep. and they didn't see, start seeing mushrooms until I started taking care of my lawn. Yeah, because now my lawn is nice and healthy. I'm watering it regularly, and it's giving an optimal area for yep. these these mushrooms to thrive. Start growing. Yeah, it's kind of funny you say that, Joel, because I fertilized a couple weeks later here they came. Yep. So you, you fed them. You fed them and made it started yeah, the kickstart of it, right? And the other thing too is then that um, as you're watering your lawn more, that um, that wood or branches underneath is starting to decay a little bit more, which is a perfect environment yep. for so, those mushrooms. So to there's a couple options. One is you can pick them, or, or another one is you just leave them because they're actually helping break down whatever's there quicker. Okay. And if you don't want them there, then you can always aerate, right? The fertilizer helps the microbes and everything else break down. But you can also add a, a compost accelerator to that area as well. That'll help break down whatever they're feeding on. Because once you get rid of the food, there's no chemical, okay, for mushrooms. We have lots of rabbits, so they're, they're not dangerous to rabbits or anything? Um, it depends. Like, I, I honestly couldn't tell you uh, d- the different mushrooms, uh, which ones are poisonous, which ones are not. That you'll have to do a bit more research or call the poison control or there's some other places yeah. you can, you know, figure I, that one out. Sorry about that. I wonder if maybe the rabbits also know themselves. Yeah. You know, r- like rabbits, yeah. they usually will eat what they know they can eat. And, yeah. you know, wildlife, wildlife is kind of like that, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then I have an, um, a, a number of trees that um, it's, it, say, two or three, four feet out in a circle around from the tree. You could see how the grass was starting to. Um, look not as green. So I'm thinking, okay, so the tree is taking all the moisture. Yep. So I took that, you know, double tube, uh, the old fashioned uh, soaker hose, yep. and I put it out at the drip line and I let it go about six inches tall water for two and a half hours. And, but the grass itself didn't come back. So that's just, well, that'll come back just with normal watering? Yep, just no, normal watering. You're going to have to do some uh, deep watering at least once a month in that area. Okay, for that tree, and then watering, and then also it, it also another thing that can happen is that tree might be getting larger now and creating shade, so you might have to overdress with a little bit of shade seed, okay, in there, and then the shade grasses will come up and be green uh, because now it's a different app, di- different environment, less sun. When you overseed, maybe add a little bit of topsoil or triple mix yep. to that as well. Too. Exactly. And the, the last question was Veronica plants and blazing stars. They've been done for a month, but they've got the you know the long stalks that are way up in the air. 
can you do cut those back right away to store what do you do with those yeah those are perennials and with those you can cut back i usually will deadhead the blooms off of them because they don't look so pretty um but i like to leave some of the stock up especially if i have a pretty open yard because it will catch more snow but you can cut them back right to the ground in the fall or in the spring just depending on your preference yeah well i want to do the the big clear bags um like rick you know make the yeah. a couple of years ago make the pillows okay and i'm thinking well i, I gotta cut those back yeah if you do that cut them right back to the ground level no, as no. soon as the leaves start turning sort of that yellowish bronze color one hint though instead of using clear use white okay so it reflects the sunlight clear and black uh basically acts like greenhouses and makes it warmer okay oh i thought okay i thought it was orange and black so i went yeah. out and bought clear so yeah. i need the white ones you're better off use <laughs> white ones because it reflects the sun and then keeps the temperature more even underneath so you can save your clear for recycling yep. okay and then okay. i didn't get a chance to use the bug out on my um all my um lilies and stuff and um, um false uh false sunflower that has all the red aphids yep if i put the pillows down over top of that yeah they'll, they'll, they'll be a perfect hibernation spot for them to come up next year okay and then you see i think I heard <laughs> so, earlier this year next may is when you i use this spray Start as soon as the leaves start appearing. And with your lily beetles, you can even go through and start picking those eggs off earlier than that. Yeah. And sometimes they use a lint roller to do that. Just get to the underside of the leaves. Okay. Thank okay. you very much. Okay. All right. Thanks there for calling in. Okay. All right. Take care. one 332 8255 Okay. We got like, more text to get to. Uh, we got uh, one from, who's this? Uh, Hugh from Torquay about no, we got Evans that. Cherry. We did, we oh, we did, did that, that one. one. Okay. We did that one. Okay. There good. You go. good, good, good. <laughs> See, I'm just catching up here. Uh, Brian, it looks like we've got Joan in Regina, Bruce in Turtle Lake. We'll get to that all in a moment, but we've got a call to go to here right now. In Regina, Jack is going to join us right now. Hi there, Jack. How are you? Good, good. You got a question about some evergreens, right? Yes, I uh, have an acreage outside Regina that uh, I've got a bunch of brown, the needles are turning brown on a bunch of them, and uh, I'm just wondering what's causing that. There, there's Right now, there's a bunch of things that are happening. One is the drought is the big number one, and also spider mite, okay? Depending how the spider mite works from the bottom, inside, up, and out. But if it's all the tips, okay, it could be drought, but it also could be a fungal called needle cast, Okay. Or if the brown tip started back, you know, in June, July, it could be a sawfly, okay? But then you see all the brown tips. But you would have noticed that back, you know, back in June, July. Yeah, I'm noticing it more now. Like I have a bunch of the needles fell off and went uh, just dropped off on one or two of them at the lower end. Did they turn brown or was it just, just the lower end or was it throughout the whole tree? Um, the, it's the lower end right now. It was lower, if it's lower end, it's probably drought and spider mite. Okay. And uh, so, like, with my couple evergreens I'm looking at right now, in the center, it's brown and green on the outside. Yep. And then, they're about 40 feet high. Yep. Yeah, it's probably drought and spider mite. So okay. one thing, lots of, once a month, like a good deep watering, okay? Yeah. Not just with the cutting, spraying the grass. I mean, you're putting the soaker hose, like the last color called, you know, letting it go up about three to six inches tall and let it run for like four to six hours type of thing, you know, once a month. And then spider mite, blasting with cold water, using sexile soap, or using malathion if you want to get a really good control. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. And then you do that, that do yeah. those sprays at least uh, starting next June. Okay. I mean, right now, I mean, to be active, because still this week in Saskatoon, is supposed to be like, 25 degrees or something like that so it's crazy um, okay. but otherwise they're still active now but otherwise you start next june 1st and you spray three times 14 days apart okay okay so malathion is probably one of the better things to it's, use. it's more effective but you know if you don't want to use malathion then you can use soap and water you can use blast cold water they don't like cold water being blasted all the time all those kind of things work okay okay all right now, yeah, I just emptied the pool and watered the ground. Oh. I put 6,000 gallons on the ground. Don't do that. Don't? <laughs> if you have, is it a chlorinated pool, right? Yeah, no, I haven't put chlorine in it for about months and a half Okay, now. yeah, be careful of emptying hot tubs and pools because I've had lots of yards I've gone to where they they killed everything, with, especially with saltwater pools. And yeah. they've they've killed all their plants because they dumped their their pools and their and everything onto the ground around the trees. Okay, so be careful with new chlorinated water, especially or especially salt water. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thanks very much, Jack. Good.
Take care. Yep. Now, this week, last this last week, uh, when was it? On Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, I think it was. Jill, what did we participate in? Right across the river from here. Oh, we, it was National Tree Day. It was National um, Tree Day. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we planted over um, 250 trees on National Tree Day in the sanatorium here along the riverbank. There was an area where they had done some construction, and some of the riverbank trees had disappeared during that time. So we were able to replenish those, and there was... Probably over 60, 60 volunteers that were out there. But National Tree Day goes across Canada. Yep. Um, everybody on the same day? Everybody on the same day. And across Canada, there was 5,000 trees planted. Oh, cool. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty cool event to be involved with. Yep. Um, there was different sponsors. Bank of Montreal sponsored this one. Starbucks Canada sponsored this one. SOS Trees was there, um, which gets lots of bursaries from the government yep. um, to be able to do these projects. And then Dutch Growers, we had the pleasure of being able to provide the plants. Yep. Oh, right on. That's very cool. Okay, we'll have to go check that out. You know, that's a kind of a neat area that nobody, not a lot of people in Saskatoon get to see. The best rollerblading path ever. Is really? Yeah. Really? Okay. Yes. So uh, the sanatorium, if you're not familiar, if you haven't, you know, grown up in Saskatoon, or if you're like me and you're just a little well, bit younger. sanatorium grounds. Exactly. The sanatorium's not there anymore. The former sanatorium. Yep. And it was a place where they treated people with tuberculosis. Yep. It was a big, beautiful building. And if you take Spadina all the way uh, south on the west side of Saskatoon's River, you end up running into the water treatment plant, but you kind of got to go around that and keep going south. It's a very southern part, and it sort of meets up with the back end of Holiday Park Golf Course and over the, there. And, and it's sort of between a Holiday Golf Course and Holiday Park Park. Right. They're, they're between the two. And it, it's, it, it's these amazing old grounds, lots of amazing trees. And, then, and, they and now even more. And they naturalized it, right? So it's, it's uh, yeah, we planted all a bunch of native trees, Saskatoons and uh, buffaloberries, some junipers, yeah, some, some aspens. in a few years. So yeah, it was it was pretty cool because one thing nice about it is that you know you get sixty people together and you plant how many trees we plant? We planted over two hundred and fifty. Two hundred and fifty oh, wow, trees. Cool. But it only took us about an hour with that many people. Yeah, no kidding. Right. So everybody had a shovel and we just went at it, and so we planted all those trees. It was good. It was fun. Very cool. Right. Yeah, on. And one thing to remember when you see an area like that with new trees planted, especially some of the smaller shrubs, is stay on the paths. Don't walk through them in the first little bit because if you step on those branches you, and break well, and plus them. you're compacting the soil yeah. around them and everything. So. Yeah, stay on the mm-hmm. path. They're all mulched area. They're they're mulching them. They mulch mullet for the first two years. They're going to give them a good watering, you know, to get them established. Nice. Last year we did a park over in Deep and Baker Park in Saskatoon, and so we planted even more trees that year. Yeah, so that's a lot. Yeah, it was quite a few. So it was, yeah, it's fun every year. Yeah, and we're hoping we can continue this program going. Tree Canada has has approached us already, saying we're excited about what's going to be happening next year, and we want they want us to provide the trees again. So it's just awesome being able to have these programs. You, you got to remember, we're planting trees in all these trees in all our towns, like every little town in Saskatoon. Saskatchewan, right? Mm-hmm. And, and in the cities, these trees were planted by another generation before, many gen- few generations. Yeah, before, that's right. Know? Some of them are very, and very so old. So if we don't keep planting trees, these trees aren't going to live forever, right? That's so right. we don't keep planting trees. We need something for, you're planting for the future. And so we have to keep doing that. We have to do our part and plan for the future. So planting trees is so important, and not just in our yards, but in, in the boulevards and parks and everything else so that we have trees for the future. Yeah, it'd be nice. It would actually be nice to see, you know, some of the municipalities get on board with starting to plan for, yep. you know, we have lots of uh, elm trees, right? Both yep. Saskatoon and Regina, and we know that Dutch elm disease is a real thing. Um, but so many of our, our boulevards, I yep. think of, you know, down Wascana Park, around Regina, or Spadina Crest in Saskatoon, are lined with these trees, but now they're getting almost to the end of their lifespan. lifespan. And right? things like Dutch elm disease or emily ash borer, something's coming around, so not you know planting different trees. But I, I was talking to a small town just about a month ago, and I was just we were talking about trees, planting trees, and they, uh, last year they planted around ten trees. So I'm saying every year if they plant, if they don't have budgets, even if they plant three or four trees or even two trees, doesn't matter in boulevards and places. You're replacing trees where trees have died or you know empty holes then those trees are going to be for your town's future, mm-hmm. right? And that's what attracts people to towns. I mean, that's what people people want to live in neighborhoods where big trees are already, right? So that's right. it's important. That's right. We were on a trip uh, last weekend. Was it last weekend? The weekend before. That's yeah. why I wasn't here. And it was to uh, a town called Devon, Alberta, which is just outside of yep. Edmonton. That's right. And it's along Saskatchewan, the North Saskatchewan River there, before it winds its way into Edmonton. And only like 15 minutes out of the big city. But what an incredible little town. 
how it's so vibrant and and did you, you go know, to the Devon uh, Lions, Gardens, the Lions Park, that yeah. one? Yeah, well, that's where we were camping in. It was okay. amazing, and and the whole town is just so full of amazing trees. Yep. And obviously, somebody 30, 40, 50 years yep. ago, they've been progressively putting those trees in. So yep. wow, I, I, you know, it's hard to see. Uh, you know, you don't see that many prairie towns like that yep. that are so full of all these amazing trees. Yep. We couldn't believe it. It was yep. it was really amazing. Yep. So what a it's that's an arb- it. that's actually an arboretum. So there's a multiple different trees that actually did a lot of testing there for different trees hardinesses and everything else. Really? So, oh yeah. Oh, that explains why there's yep. so many trees there. Yep. Then okay, exactly. cool. Let's go to the phone lines. We got to thank Donna who's waiting patiently. She's in Saskatoon right now. Hi there, Donna. How are you? Hi, really well. How are you? Good. What's your question for Good. us? Um, so the last few weeks or so, I've really been uh, struggling with trying to get rid of voles in my backyard. Yes. So I have taken out um, quite a few trees in the last few years, but this is the very first year um, that I've had voles. And did some research, tried a few things, nothing's working. So I just need your advice on how to get rid of them. Okay, have you tried Have you tried the, the mouse trap with, with, with uh, peanut butter and raisin or craisin on top? I have. Yeah, and it has no success with that? No, they haven't. Like, I, I check them every morning, and they it looks like they haven't even been touched. Okay, that, that, that's interesting because most people I, I, I most most people have had great success with catching them. I think you've got to make sure that you're, uh, do you have a, any places where you're storing, like, a shed or you have other things stored in a part of the yard where they might hide out that you could put your traps near? Um. Yeah, I do have like a like a kind of a garage in the back that's um, like basically storage, but um, it's because hmm. it, they'll, they'll hide underneath something like that if they if they if it's built on top of the ground, you know, not a, like a grad slab or something like that where it's built on top of the ground. They'll hide underneath that, so you can put some traps around there. That would be a place where they'd be coming from, you know. That's where they'll be. That would be their base station, you know, for your yard. Okay. And so yeah, any place like that, that's where you'd want to set your traps because, you know, that, that's, but I'd just keep on top of that, uh, because you will have, you will have success and, and, uh, cause that's, there's no other poisons or baits you can use. The best way is, uh, honestly, is the snap trap and the peanut butter and craisin. And then I like putting them inside of a box so the birds don't get at them, right? And, right. uh, but, oh. right? Cause, mm. so if you put them inside of a box, then, then might, those bulls like to go in something to be hiding, right? And, oh. and then that helps as well. And just make some little holes so they can get in and crawl around, and and you can put. Okay. It doesn't matter what size box it is. You can put a bunch of traps. I've had one lady that she put five traps inside the box, and she caught all five traps were caught. So, but <laughs> okay. so what, what kind of da- are they doing damage to the lawn? The voles? Well, no, because um, well, I shouldn't say no because what I've done is I've I've been doing lots of landscaping and yep. recently just leveled my yard. So right now it's just topsoil. Yep. Um, and, and, uh, but yeah, all of a sudden there's like mounds everywhere. Oh, okay. No, that's a mole, not a vole. That's not a vole? That's called a mole. With an M. With an M. I, I understood that that was a vole. No, no, that is called a mole. If it has a mound of dirt, it's called a mole. Now, what you need to do, you're totally different. You're not going to catch them with a snap trap, okay? They're way too oh, big right. for that. <laughs> so, okay. so what you need to do, you need to get yourself what's called a black hole trap, okay? And I had a, a secret that a caller called in that it was, it ended up being off the air, I believe. He called in later uh, off the air. But anyways, this guy, what he did is he took a black hole trap. And what he did is has a whole, little round hole in one end. It's like a noose you stick into the soil right in the end of the hole. And then what he did is took a stick and he put a peanut butter in the craisin. He did my trick with a peanut butter and craisin. He stuck it through the hole and then he put a pail over top of it. The whole thing, a five-gallon pail over top of it. He was catching, he was catching two and three moles a day. Wow. So they're making little like piles all over they're your yard, right? Yep. So, so that's yeah, why you're, you're not going to get it with Snapchat. You got to get a, what's called a black hole trap. 
So you, you okay. to use them, you what you Rick, you find the end of their their entrance to their hole, you, right? You, you take away the dirt and you find the, the the extra tunnel that goes underground, and then yeah. you set your trap inside there. And then a lot of people, you can time you can cover the trap and just let light go in. But sometimes you just push dirt up. This person here didn't push dirt up over top of it. He just put that little stick with some bait on it, which is the peanut butter and the raisin, and he put yeah. a pot over top of it to make it dark. And it came up and smelt that, and he was catching them. The, like the, crazy. the idea behind the trap is that they want that end of their hole plugged up. That's right. right? So when there's yep. a light coming through, they don't like that. Yep. So they're going to go right. back up the end of that hole and try to push try dirt. To push dirt, and then they get snared by the trap. Snared by the trap, yes. Right. Now you can okay. pick up that trap. Um, you know, like in, in if you're in Saskatoon area, you can pick up at Early's. You can get it at PB Marts. Yeah. You can get it at uh, Cow Towns. You can get it a whole bunch of different places. Mm-hmm. Almost yeah. any place that has you know like rodent control. Okay, so I just so I just want to clarify. So so the trap, so the the five gallon pail, the trap goes inside yep. over top of the hole. Yeah. So so you put the trap okay. into the hole, right? Put yeah. your little stick with some peanut butter and that through the hole, right? Yeah. At the end of the hole because it's right just through the hole because that's where they have to want to come through to get snared, right? Yeah. And then you put yeah. the black pail to create a black. Okay. So you got a dark. Yeah. Right. Okay. okay gotcha. Okay. Okay, thank you. I you will go. I will try this uh you go. and hopefully catch a bunch. Right on. Let us know for okay. sure. Okay. Let us know. All right. Okay. right. Good thank luck, you. Donna. Take care. Did you guys talk about the one about uh pruning with Brian east of Saskatoon before? No, okay. The one was a cherry tree. Perfect. The one was a cherry tree. Perfect. Okay. So this is Brian who's east of Saskatoon. I'm on a farm east of the city. Last spring I moved uh hybrid poplars that were about twenty feet high. Oh, okay. It was just before the leaves were out. Okay, in the spring, yeah. Yep. Okay. And I used a clamshell tree mover. Okay, good. Okay. Uh, they only put about 50% of the leaves that's that normal. the unmoved trees did. So yes, they, that's normal. Right? That's normal. I assume that there was not appropriate root to for the top to grow yep. much. Yeah. I want to, want to move the remaining 30 trees this yes. fall. Should I prune them back before moving? Uh, you you can yes that would help to removing some of the t- top surface um, removing the fall you can use the same kind of machine it'd be no problem moving the fall just just water them in really well after you plant them okay that's all you need to do so you can move in the fall yeah, if you use it by machine yeah right o- otherwise bare root net I don't like moving poplars in the fall I'd rather do it first thing in the spring but with a big tree spade not a problem right yeah okay water them in well water them well take lots of soil and wait and, and also and also. You may have, depending on the size of the, the 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 tree spade, you need to you need to rope them like guide wire, put tie wires down so they don't blow over in the spring. Mm, right, right, okay. the winds and that peg them up that way. Okay, yep. yeah, because there's not we're we're going to go into frozen time here and yep. everything like that, right? One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. My this is from Joan, who's in the Regina area. I think I have needle cast disease in my shelter belt. I live outside Regina. What can I spray the trees with, or can you recommend an arborist? Also wondering if winter kill will kill the spores. Nope. Won't so kill the that spores. won't take care of it. it okay. So spores. and if you do have if you, if you confirm that you do have needle cast, then then probably use a copper sulfate or Bordeaux. Uh, there's a few other maybe farm chemicals you might be able to do, uh, but but what we use is Bordeaux, and that works pretty good. Mm-hmm. Three times starting around June the 1st, uh, 10 to 14 days apart. And then if they're big trees, it's hard to get the whole tree because if you have needle cast, it'll be spread out through the whole tree, okay? It won't be just at the bottom or anything. That'll be kind of spread out through the whole tree. All right, okay. And so uh, then what you need to do is best way to do that is to spray it is get an arborist to spray it or otherwise, because uh, they can get with the boom truck way up, or otherwise, I've used uh, a get take a big, a big, like a big barrel, like a, an eighty liter garbage can, mm-hmm. and I mix my stuff up, and I'll put a submersible pump into it, and then I'll I'll put that onto a trailer type of thing, and then I'll have a gas powered uh, pressure washer. Oh, okay, yep, right, and I'll have that on a long on a long uh, you can you can get a long arm on them right so that you can go way up mm-hmm. and then that that little atomized where you know it's not like with a garden hose you're actually doing almost like a mist with the right so you can shoot quite a ways up and that mist will roll inside the tree and get more of the branches as well so with that just to clarify you're not using the pressure to blast the tree you're more wanting the mist I want the that. mist I want the water to get into the tree right so you're not, okay you're not yeah hammering yeah. it you're just trying and to get if that you got mist a up there whole bunch of trees 
then you can get a plane or a helicopter to, to do it that way as right. well. Right. Yeah, okay. you could do that, right? A lot, there are... a lot of farmers have done that because they, they use planes for all their other chemicals, right? Yep. So they just get a plane, a lot of them get together and rent a plane They use the same chemical and the plane just goes and, and puts the copper sulfate onto the trees. And that when that plane goes over top of the trees, it gets right into the but canopy. I, I can imagine, too, like a helicopter doing that can, can move slower as yep. it goes over, yep. right? And but, that, that downdraft yep. from the blades but forces it But it's it amazing in. the downdraft what those planes cause when they're going just over the tip of the trees. And they, oh, yeah. they put it right into the tree pretty good. Mm, okay. All right. So a couple couple ways there, Joan, yep. you can take care of that. Uh, this is from Bruce, who's in Turtle Lake. Is it is there time to transplant a 10-foot or so spruce tree this year still? Uh, yes, before right now. Right now is a great time to plant spruce trees, usually from about September 1st on, right until freeze-up. You can plant to move a... Plant, but how about move? Transplant? Not a problem. Okay, okay. Yep. All right. Take not a nice a big root ball with it. Take a good, you know, especially a lot of people are moving with the machine, you know, and uh, not a problem at all. So how big of a root ball would you want to take? Basically, what you, if you're using a machine, mm-hmm. the goal is basically 10 to 12 inches of, of tree spade to every inch of trunk. Okay. Okay, so yep. if you have a three-inch trunk... Right, you're going to need a 30-inch spade. Mm-hmm. Okay, at least. Okay, up to 30 to 44. A lot of times, it's the 30-inch spade, or the next size is a 40-inch spade. And does the depth of that matter as well? Not as much diameter? as the width. I'm more worried about more than the depth because the roots aren't as much. Most spades are down to a point, mm-hmm. and it's not a lot of roots you're getting down there. It's the width that's very important. It's the width. Okay. All right. Perfect. This is a good question. Actually, we're gonna we're gonna squeeze in here before the, we got to go to our break. Ray's in Saskatoon. Good morning. I fertilized my lawn a few weeks ago, and I'm blowing out the sprinklers this weekend for yep. the final cut before winter. Should I leave it long or cut it short? There are a few places that need some some spot seeding. Should I do that now or wait until the grass becomes more dormant for the year? Um, you, with the weather right now, you could do it now, but otherwise, wait just. Wait just a little bit longer to the middle of October and then seed it and it'll come up in the spring. Okay. Um, I feel like right now it, we're still going to get germination. You'll get germination. You probably still have enough time where it can germinate where it'll be strong enough to be able to take the winter time. That's what we're just getting because the, the weather's of. been so nice right yes. now that you might be okay. Uh, but we're getting to the edge where I'd almost get into the point where I might wait. Right until the middle of October. Right. Then I don't want it to germinate until spring. And you know, it's okay. So basically, about the seeds, wait yep. a little bit longer if you want it just to be spring, like yep. s- growing in the springtime, right? But one thing about if he's doing, if he's reseeding, overseeding, if you're doing a new lawn, I'd almost get to the point where I wait. Right. If I was overseeding, overseeding to an old lawn, it's going to be protected by the other grass. Right. right? Okay. So yep. it'll, it should be okay. You can still do it. And, and how long? And how long? One point seven five to two inches long. Right. Okay. In that range. Okay. I go down. I go down the to the the second lowest setting on yep. my lawnmower. I got five settings. Yep. I go from number four. If that's fifth is the highest, yep. I go from four down to two yep. for my last. You, you cut. don't want it an inch or inch and a half. It's too short. Right. Okay. Especially if we don't get snow right away, and if you get it too long, then you get snow mold because it lodges, it laid down flat, and then you get then you get snow mold happening. So uh, uh, an inch and three quarters to two inches. Two inches is perfect. It's and perfect. then in October in my yard, the front yard, I always get snow mold on, so I'm going to be spraying some copper. If you've had issues before, you can do that too, yes. Uh, the, uh, the other thing we've got to talk about, and we're just about out of time this hour, but we're going to continue into next hour, is is it time to blow out the sprinklers just yet? Um, now, I mean, yeah, if Ray is going to do this, that's his choice, that's great, but yep. I feel like we've got a lot of quite nice days still here. You're slowing down the watering? Of course. Like If you had your sprinklers, like we were talking with Jill, she had a timer on it, so we were I just struggling actually... struggling with my app. In the last break, we were just I was on the app and I was changing her sprinkler times, actually. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you should be cutting down your water, you should be watering every day right now. Uh, but but I but I still had we were planting in in this week, and I put the probe in the soil, and it was dry. Mm-hmm. So you got to you know probe the soil and make sure you give a good watering if it's because with this kind of heat, uh, I mean the poplars not they're all losing the leaves anyways. It's not that big of a deal. But some of your evergreens and that, if it's dry, you want to give them a good watering now and then one last good watering at the end of October. We're going to continue this when we get back. So okay. just hang on a sec. We were kind of talking before we got to the break about uh, winterizing sprinklers, stuff like that. We just sort of touched a little bit on that. Yep. So let's just cover that off right now is we're, we're kind of maybe a little bit early yet. Well, you to could, totally shut down everything. You should be cutting it down to maybe twice a week type of thing. Oh, for watering, yeah. For watering, but if right? you're gonna, if you're thinking, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna 
blow up my sprinklers and shut off the water. That's probably a little bit early to do that yet, right? What I usually would say is watch your nighttime temperatures. You want those nighttime temperatures. If if they're dropping consistently below that five degree mark consistently, that's when it's time to look at, at, hey, it's time to blow up my sprinklers. If our nighttime temperatures are staying above 10 degrees and our daytime temperatures are in the 20s still, our plants are still needing a little bit of moisture. Yeah, well, and we've got a, we got this, a mix of that. This next week, we're talking about nighttime temperatures aren't going below five degrees. No, so yeah. we're still fine. You know, exactly. You've got to watch in some low lying areas. You might have to cover a manifold, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But your underground sprinklers are fine. Right? Yes, under the under but the ground. I mean, totally fine. some people have a lot of sprinklers to blow out, or they get their a company to blow them out, and they're on a schedule. That's so right. If you don't get it done, you're you miss the 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 area that they're doing, right? Exactly. So and sometimes, if you have some new trees, you might just want to have some extra buckets on hand yep. then and haul some water to or, get some water. Or a lot of times trees. they'll blow out your main manifold, but a lot of times you'll have another tap mm-hmm. which is not hooked up to a manifold and you can just turn on from inside out and just water by hand. Oh, right, that's right. True. I have one of those in my garage that I could just hook a long hook hose up, to. And then yeah, you can hose, drag a hose out. And then you can water to. your trees and shrubs, give them their last watering a little bit later on without opening up the manifold. Well, I'm pretty excited this year because I've got Dakota Pinnacle birch in the back of my house, yep. right? And last year I was... I watered too much. They stayed green. I refused. I was I was in denial that winter was ever going to come, yeah. and we're going to have green lawn <laughs> right until it snows. You know, which you can do. You can do yeah, that. Absolutely, it'll keep going. So I fertilized. The last time I fertilized was because we're into just at the end of. So I fertilized in August. Yep. And that's, I'm stopping there. And fertilize I, your lawn? Or you fer- should- fertilize my lawn. Okay. And the trees were, were a month before that. I July. think I stopped that back in July. But now I'm kind of going down to like once a week, it's getting some water, the yep. lawn, yep. because it's really thick, right? Yep. So it holds a lot of moisture. moisture yep. um, but I'm happy to say that the trees now this year are all turning. Perfect. Like I can see them actually changing yeah, color. That's what you, you know. Want. So it's like, Kate, hey, good. That's, that's what, what I, that's what you want. Cause we went into, we went into winter last year with a lot of green. Yeah. And then you lose tips. You lose, mm-hmm. you lose, you get some winter damage on the tips, you know. So now your trees will be ready. To, if they're turning color, that's perfect. Yeah, exactly. I had the same thing in my yard too. I just my birches really just did not want to go dormant. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're, I think me and you were like, who has more leaves on our tree? Right. Yeah. <laughs> comparing pictures. Exactly. So, so I'm I'm happy that they're they're going that way. Yep. So I'm kind of just down to just a little bit of water here and there. I'm not ready myself to kill the sprinklers just yet. Yep. But like you yep. talked about, you know, yep. once we're below that five degrees, always over nice. Yep. Then we got to start thinking about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So it's 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 fall, but it's like not quite. We're just it's 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 you know we're in between. We've had a great, almost there. The weather has been just it amazing. Has. It so, has absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to the, our phone lines right now. We're going to go to Hanley, Saskatchewan, and talk to Lane. Hi there, Lane. How are you? Good. You got an apple tree with some problems. Yeah. So I got two apple trees this year from the university, and now they both got I think what's that called that black rot on them. One's right at the tip. Like right at the top, so probably my best bet is to cut that one off. Yep. Um, but the middle, there's one that kind of has it in the middle of it, and I'm wondering, are there any other options besides cutting it off, or what would be my best bet? Is it around the whole trunk, or is it just on one little spot? About half, kind of on half on one side. Half on one side. Uh, what you can do, yeah, if, if, if it's oozing sap, then it's probably right into the trunk of the tree, right? That, that's the problem. And then there's not much way you can, you can clean it up. If it's a little bit, what I've, because you've got, if you just bought that tree from the university, it's just a young little, little sapling tree, right? It's not a very old tree. No, it's not. No. So. Uh, the problem with cutting it out is that you're, you know, you don't have much bark there to begin with, right? And a young tree right. like that. If it was older right. tree, I could almost take a, 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 you know, like a utility knife, you know, and then and then just just sort of peel off some of that bark and then just and then seal it up, you know. But right. you know, a young tree like that, you peel off that much, you're not going to have much left, right? So um, it's it's tough to do, and like I said, once it's in, if it's oozing that sap out, there's not much you can do. The top one you can just trim it off. That's what I would do right away. Okay, yep. uh, the one that's in the main trunk, you could try to cut it out. You know, try not to cut out too much, but you can try to cut out a bit of it there, and then sterilize your your sterilize your knife constantly as you're doing it. Okay, and so otherwise you're just spreading it to other parts of the bark. Okay, that's there. But that's about all you can really do. Okay. Is there anything like after I take it off? Is there any 
protection or something I should put around that spot? Just let, I... let it dry out first, and then if you, a lot of times if that young tree, it'll heal over by itself, or otherwise you can just put a little bit of pruning paint on after this, the wound heals, uh, dries, after the wound dries. Oh, yeah, what kind of paint did you say, Just to call the pruning paint. Pruning paint, yep. okay. Yeah, okay. Okay, thank you very much. All right, good luck, yep. Lane, take care. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We're going to go to our text line right now. Okay, this is from Lynn in Regina. I have a raised garden bed, and discovered as I was working it up that the roots from the neighbor's huge poplar trees mm-hmm, yep. have grown into the bottom of it. It is. 12 inches deep. What can I do to try to discourage all of this root growth? Yeah, so just dig around the edge of it, dig down a little deeper, like a little trench around the edge, and then put some landscape fabric, heavy-duty landscape, it's called Pro 5, and you put it down vertically in the ground. So you can either do this by digging up the inside of your yep. raised garden bed, and then or on the outside, if it's like, say, in your lawn, in right? Your lawn, and then you can dig a trench all the way around. dig a trench all the way around. And then you, you're cutting the roots that are going in there already, and then what you're doing now, when you have that trench there before you fill that trench in you put a barrier down right you can use landscape fabric like you talked about you could use treated plywood that's vertical in the ground exactly. piece of metal whatever piece of metal uh some tin how some about styrofoam tin. uh styrofoam will it go through yeah, styrofoam no, it go, except for the joints right yeah so, but like that hard insulating styrofoam yep. you know that that, that uh that you can yep. buy that that would work as well you know Rick, yep. now i had somebody do that yep and then they're wondering some of the suckers that they still see up can they put roundup on that or is that going to kill as the long tree? as it's been severed from the tree and how do you know that you've got all those roots severed because you might have some roots that go further down than that 12 inches well usually right? the ones that are suckering up are fairly close to the surface okay so okay. if they're, they do that they would be safe to say to maybe paint some yeah. roundup on and not affect the as tree? long as they've severed it from the main tree first right okay. and then they can kill those suckers off okay. right so so lynn it's going to be a little bit of work yep. uh unfortunately a little bit of manual otherwise, labor now that those those are just little roots now if you leave them there they're going to be in in a few years they're going to be big roots right so then yeah. you have even more problems so you, you know? might as well get on it right away yeah. and, and all the gardens now i mean obviously uh, lynn was working in it because everything's pulled up right like yep. you know all of our garden vegetables are pretty much out of there except yep. for a few people who have like what some pumpkins floating around or maybe I some still squash have pumpkins and squash in my garden right and like trying to finish my, those off my beets are still in my garden some of those root vegetables carrots carrots potatoes mm-hmm. are still in the garden yeah right? some a few of my things. onions are yep. still in the garden too i need to pull those up depends it depends you know if you want really big potatoes they're still there people who want or just keep them fresh I leave well, yeah. them there as long as I can. Yeah, that's that's true. Right? That's true. So, so uh, that is kind of your your scenario there, Lynn. It's our last two hour garden talk of the season, which is a little bit of a sad thing, uh, you know, because it kind of I mean, means things are winding down a little bit. But and you of... don't get to see our shining faces once a week for two hours. I know two whole hours. Only just one, one, just one, one hour. Only one hour. Jeez, <laughs> Jay, what are you going to do? <laughs> but as the grow, as the garden wraps up, there's a lot less questions, right? Yeah. So, but we still have lots of great things that are yep. going to be coming up. Yep. You know, in terms of we got Christmas on the way. Oh, yeah. Before Christmas, though, yes. this week is a big transition for our store, and yes. we start bringing in hay bales, oh. straw bales, actually, and we put a pumpkin patch in our greenhouse. So, a maze. Which was greenhouse, which turned into fashion. This so is Saskatoon it's, Garden Dutch Course. Dutch Course yes. is yes. now turning into a pumpkin patch, and it's free to the public for people to come. And one thing really fun is I found a new local grower, Farms, and they grow all these amazing, cool-colored pumpkins, pumpkins. for us. No way! And yep. they, I, I've never seen such bright colors before but what's even better it's a husband wife team they have a farm here in saskatchewan very locally grown and they have two two little kids and the little kids and the mom are the ones that go out and plant these fields and they harvest them harvest too them. so wow. it's the kids that are going out there and i've got some great pictures of them harvesting them and uh, i they come to the store and they help unload them off their truck and it's just nice having that sort of homegrown feel in the greenhouse but the stunning colors yep. of these pumpkins and the yellows and the greens and the pastel colors and the peaches and there's some that almost look like they have like a pumpkin growing out of a pumpkin okay <laughs> they're they're really cool some great carving pumpkins um so yeah. so the maze like usual but it's gonna have an added twist this year with all these different, all the different colored pumpkins. pumpkins yeah we ha- which we've is great. always had some some nice uh decorative like almost uh one gordy type and all the warts designer on the outside type pumpkins before yep. but i think this just sort of took it to the next level yep. of having something local right having on. some different varieties and some more variety there so too when are we opening that maze that maze will be open on saturday um saturday the 30th of september okay. um, 
runs for the whole month of October. And it will run for the whole month of October right up to Halloween. And, uh, yeah, we, we have it open to the public. There's lots of school groups who come in and book in. They can book in on our website or call the store to do that. And uh, it's a great community event. And then it's open, of course, to the public as well. You know, and it's a great thing, even if you're not in Saskatoon, you're, you know, not maybe not too far away. Go for a drive. Grab, grab the kids, the grandkids. Yeah. Go for a drive. And it's free of charge. It's, yeah, so, it's a fun way to spend yeah. uh, a nice a nice yeah. afternoon. And not only are we doing this, there's so many other fall festival events that going mm-hmm. around that, that happen out at some of the distilleries um, all around the place, some little farms. The corn maze that's happening. Yep. Um, so, so yeah, check out in Valley Road. The, the so corn many maze out in Valley great Road. Things yep. to do to sort of get out into um, what is our agriculture environment here in, in Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, very cool. Let's go to our text line one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Len is from Carlisle, and he says this: Hi, Rick and Jill. I have an older crab apple tree that, in the last five years, has produced apples that have brown squiggly lines in them. Yep. And now I don't eat them. Apple maggots. I believe it's worms. He says yep. some kind. Yep. Uh, I tried spraying with dormant spray in June when it was flowering, but the lines and the apples are still there. Is this the right stuff? Yep. No. What, no. You, what you need to do is you need to. Next year, you need to pick all your apples early. Okay, so you're, you're not going to have a year where you don't have, don't worry about the fruit. So as soon as any time after the fruit starts to form, start picking it. So the, what what happens is we've got these apple maggots, and they have a cycle. They have a cycle, right? So the the, the adult is in the ground right now. Okay, right now they're basically or or just yeah, about right now for most of the apples they're going back in the ground. They'll stay in the ground till next June July. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then they come out of the ground and then they go, a fly comes out of the ground and lands on the, near an apple tree, near an apple forming. Okay. Yep. And then the worm goes obviously into the apple and then does this thing there, eats, put his little tunnels and that kind of stuff. And then, uh, then it comes after the apple either matures or the apple hits the ground, the, the maggot comes out of the apple and goes back in the ground and starts to cycle all over again. Right. So the only way you can do it is put some in this in June, July type of thing, put out some traps for them. I like putting traps that are inside of a little mesh so that the birds don't get caught on them and um, like little wrens and that because they like the flies too, right? So the flies get caught on those sticky traps it could be shaped, sometimes you can just use a, a lime-colored tennis ball, right, and hang them because it looks like an apple, right? Mm-hmm. And then you put tanglefoot on them, which is a sticky substance, and the fly gets caught on them and it can't go lay its eggs, right? Right. But then I put that inside of a mesh so that the flies can get in, but the birds can't. So that those, so you can use a... a uh, tennis ball. Tennis but they're, ball. they're also imitation apples. Like there's kits yep. you can buy exactly. that are that are meant just for this. They apple. come with like the fake little apple yep. and the sticky stuff. Yep. And you hang it in the tree. Exactly. So, so when do you put those in? You put those basically about the middle 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 of June. Middle That's of June. Start. Yep. As soon so you, as your apples start to form is when you want to get so, them up. So you get them up and then you you put those up, but you start picking all the apples and you strip it of all the apples that you can get off of that yep. thing, right? Because then the flies are going to go somewhere else. They're going to go somewhere else, right? Because right now they nest in the ground right around your apple tree and then mm-hmm. come back up. Okay. And there's nothing we can use. There's no chemicals. There's no, there's chemicals. no spray. We're, we're working on right now. I'm trying to find a nematode. Yes. That will go after that larva once it goes into the ground. Right, that's so, what I'm trying to find, and once we find that, that'll solve a lot of problems. So, Len, that's your that's your problem. You're going to miss yep. a year, but then after this, since you're not eating them anyways, you know it doesn't yep. matter. Yep, get them all gone next summer. The summer after that, you yep. should have some good apples. Exactly. Okay, we're going to go to the phone lines right now. Going to Cylon and talk to Lori. Hi there, Lori. How are you? I'm good, thank you. What's your question I, for us? My question is about uh, gladiolas and dahlias. Of course, it was not a good year because of the drought. For either one of them, I tried to water, water, water. Um, some of my gladiolas, you know, they they bloomed, but they they were never nice. You okay. know, I never had nice gladiolas. I've actually taken them out of the ground already. Maybe I shouldn't have. But my dahlias are still in the ground. And generally, of course, I always wait till you know, the tops freeze before I... You know, dig them out. Yep. But I'm wondering if that's a mistake or if I should just take them out. I mean, it's dry. Well, we had we had a tenth of an inch of rain in a 36 hour rain here. So if, if you're going to take them out, leave the tops on until the tops totally dry out and put the energy back in the bulb. Okay. Okay. If you're going to take them out early. Okay, because some people go away and that kind of stuff. They have no chance to wait until the frost knocks them down. But just okay. hang, just hang them or lay them out on paper so that the tops dry right out and go right in. Back, all the energy goes back in the bulb. Just don't cut the the top off right away. 
Okay. okay. Well, probably probably I'll wait till they freeze in because I have you know I have many many. They go on the total west side and north side of my garden, so I've yep. got many many. I lay them out on tarps to dry. There you go. Afterwards. Perfect. But if I if I have to leave the tops on, I'm going to have to take up <laughs> a lot of space. <laughs> yep. Just wait for for one good frost. That's all you need because you don't want the bulbs to freeze. Just one good frost for the tops, and then you're ready to go. And no, one no, thing, no, I know that. Like, I've been growing them for, you know, probably 50-some years. So. Well, good for you. <laughs> and good one little you. tip that you can have, if you're finding we're having these consistent, really drought or dry seasons, you can add some mulch on top of the bulbs after after yep. they start getting going, and that will just retain the moisture in the soil a little bit for you, too. Yeah, we've done that. We all over dahlias. We have uh, dahlias, begonias, all that kind of stuff. And you have in about our, three inches of mulch on yep, top. Yeah, we have mulch around them, and so uh, that works really well. Okay, when you put them in the ground in the mm-hmm. spring. Yep. Yeah. I, well, I've never had this problem because, I mean, they've generally been shoulder high on me and just loaded with blooms for forever. Yep. And this year, well, very few. The ones that were on the north side of my corn patch, which got a lot of water, they they bloomed beautifully. And other than that, none of them bloomed beautifully yeah, at all. And, they, and, they would come out, but they pretty well just dry off. And, and, and the yeah. biggest problem you have this time of the year is make sure when you plant them that you're putting a bit of drainage underneath the bulbs. Because when you get a drought year, you tend to water more. And if you water more, you got to also watch for, you know, that the water doesn't actually rot the bulbs, right? Yeah, I don't think it's. So, I don't think it's done that. But yeah, I mean, good. how would I know? Eh? Yeah, you'll find out. I haven't dug any of them yet. There you go. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Ben. Yep. Thanks, Lori. Take care. So we got Betty, who's lined up right now. She's in Regina. Hi there, Betty. How are you? Oh, great. Thank you. Awesome. So you're not talking about cleaning up the lawn, right? Yeah, like I've got uh, really a lot of uh, dried leaves and so on that you know have just fallen in the last few days. Yep. And they're quite thick, and uh, I'm just wondering, like, I should shouldn't I be raking those up before I cut the grass? Yeah, or you, or you can use the grass cutter in a bagger to mow them up as well. It depends how thick they are, right? But otherwise, yeah. you can rake them up. They're too thick and, and bag them. And what I suggest you do is that if you have a bunch of shrub beds and perennial beds, mm-hmm. bag them and put those bags in the corner because if we get later on, uh, you know, like in November, if it starts getting, you know, below you know, like 12, 15 degrees and we have no yeah. snow, you can yeah. actually use those leaves pr- to protect the plants, okay? Okay, so use the mulcher of the lawn. Yep. I'm a mower of the mower. Yeah, either one. Yeah, I mean, as, as long as it's picking it up, there's no problem with the lawnmower picking yeah, that up for you. But sometimes if you have a big poplar tree, you've got so many that your lawnmower will just choke out, right? <laughs> so you don't you want just, to burn out the you mower. Just, you just yeah. rake them up first, and then you can mow the lawn. But, I mean, yeah. if it's just a few, just pick them up with a mower. Yeah, that's the case in a couple of spots here. I'll rake them up first. Uh, well, yep. that's good information. Thank you very much. You're Thanks for the call, okay. Betty. Take care. Bye-bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Linda's in Saskatoon. She said, "Planted strawberries in my two foot raised garden box. Will they survive the winter?" Yeah, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to mulch them. You well, know, we just it. talked about a bunch yeah. of leaves, bunch that of sort leaves. of thing, or you, by you, mulch. And even the edges. If you got strawberries close to the edge, you'll have to mulch the edge of the planter as well, or put a piece of styrofoam against the edge. The heat sink of the earth below will will, will keep, keep some it. of it, but yep. if it's close to the edge of the box, now we've got cold creeping in from the edge. edge. That's why you put a you know. You attach a piece of two-inch styrofoam against them. You might even just lean it up against and just lean something else to hold it there, you know. Uh, that will be enough to, you know, protect it, but then put some mulch over top. So take steps to insulate the perimeter of that box. Yes, yeah. it was another, two feet high. Another cool thing that you can do with strawberries is you can actually cut some of those runners off that aren't rooted yet, and you can store them in a cold storage area like you would do with your bulbs and stuff like that, and then bring them out and plant them next spring. Good success story here. This is awesome. Good morning, Jackie from Spiritwood. I called in the spring about using hot pepper spray to control cabbage butterflies. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I promised to let you know how it went. I'd like to report it went pretty well. I had to stay on it. If it rained or even uh, had there was heavy dew, as soon as the plants had dried off, I had to respray them. I was gone for 10 days, and I couldn't spray them. And, of course, uh, it rained a few times during that time frame. So it did end up with a bit of worm, worm damage. I soaked them in salt water, as per usual, and have made my sauerkraut and cabbage rolls, no residual spicy flavor, good. which oh. is good. That's, so, that's the question I wanted to ask, and she's answered it. It's good. Yeah, counting Perfect. is it as a success. So hot pepper spray, getting rid of those cabbage butterflies, just got to keep on top of it. I was there always you. wondering, you know what, I... I 
enjoy spicy food. Dad, I know you do not enjoy no, not spicy at all. food. Not at all. But some of these peppers that people are planting are so, so, so hot. And I was like, huh, what are some uses that we could use for some of these peppers? But mm-hmm. that's great. Some pest deterrents. Right. That's so speaking of, of pests, we had a text earlier about the the mole problem, right? Yep. One of yes. our tech our callers. So when it comes to voles with a V, they're, a kind, v. they're kind of like mice, They're really. Mice, yeah. A little uh, bigger. Would a mouse bait station work? Thinking a Tomcat brand where there's a block of bait inside a small box yeah, and the mouse goes the inside voles, eats the bait. The voles don't eat the bait. I've, try, I've tried a whole bunch of different bait. The voles so don't, mice will go for that. Mice will go for it, but the voles don't tend to want to eat that bait. Okay. And I've tried. And uh, so the best way, honestly, is the peanut butter and a craisin or a raisin. Just uh, that's the easiest way. Okay. Over to the phone lines right now. Uh, Let's go to Broderick and talk to Todd, who's waiting. Hi there, Todd. How are you? Good morning. Sorry, I didn't think I was going to be right away. Sorry about Uh, that. Yeah. um, So I finally successfully grew some organic corn. Okay. Good job. And and so, uh, like, I have like maybe 80 corn, 50 corn that are. We haven't eaten, so like they're just in the sort of like in the cold storage. Yeah. And like, if I let them dry dry out, will will they be seed for next year, or do I just buy new seed? You can buy. Well, you know, you can actually if you create an organic, you can you can make your seed your own seed as well. Yes, you can. Or or you can buy your own seed, depending what you want to so do. How, how do you make seed from corn? You just have to you have to basically you have to take it off. You basically take it off the the corn husk and you dry it on paper, right? And just just dry it, and then and then you store it in a in a cool dry place, yep. and uh, then then you plant it out next year. Sure. So like, should I take them off the cob? Yeah, you have to take them off the cob because otherwise they'll actually just rot on. They could rot on the cob, or you can hang the whole cob up. You know, and store the whole cob, but uh, then you have to make sure that you know that that you obviously have to take the hu- the green husks off of it, right? So make sure you allow the corn to dry out first, yep. and then take them off the cob, and then when you store them, store them in a dry area. Area, yep. And then, and also the other thing too is um, rodents will like that as well too. So you may got to make sure you store them in an area that is a rodent-free area that they cannot get into, because that's the number one cause of loss of seed from your corn. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Todd. Take care. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Let's talk to uh, Helen, who's in Wadena. Hi there, Helen. How are you? Oh, hello. I'm fine, thanks. Yes, I was just wondering, what number of fertilizer do I put on in the fall? In the fall, yeah. Um, there's the number of fertilizer. As long as it's a it's a fall fertilizer, it says fall fertilizer. Mm-hmm. Most of them, it's fine to use any one of them. Okay. Myself, I like using the groundskeeper one, which is a 16 only, but it has a, and then also a phosphorus 10, uh, uh-huh. potassium three because that helps getting it ready. But the sulfur 17, which really helps the plants, you know, take up nutrients and get ready for winter time. So mm-hmm. I don't use a high nitrogen in the fall because I don't think we need to. But uh, but our cold weather grasses like the Kentucky Blues mm-hmm. do like a bit of nitrogen to get them through the winter time. Well, okay. what's this uh, 1600? What can you use that for? 1600. Mm-hmm. That's a straight nitrogen, which which is good for. Uh, it's not bad, but I like having the phosphorus and especially potassium to get ready for wintertime. That one might be better for spring when you're getting the yeah. getting the new getting, growth growing, or, or actually a new lawn would work okay too. Yeah. Oh, the 16 one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. okay. And when, when, can, when is the best time to transplant an apple tree? I planted it one, in one spot this spring, but I want to tra- transplant it. As soon as the leaves fall off. Oh, so okay. 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 When and the leaves stra- are green, you don't want to do it yet. And strawberries? And strawberries, you can move them. Uh, you can move them almost any time now, but just make sure you, in, in the end of October, mulch them heavy. Yeah. Okay. 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 Sure. Good. Okay. Yep. Thank you, Helen. Thank you. Yeah, All right. Bye now. Bye-bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Text line right now. We got lots of text. I've got five Manitoba oaks. They've been in the yard two summers now. The biggest one is thirty inches. The smallest is about eight. Yep. When should I uh, water them in? What's the best way to protect them from the deer? It's an open acreage area. Brad is near Dundurn. Yeah. So the big ones are basically what you can do with them. The really big ones, the deer. The deer will just bother the, some of the small branches rather than the trunks. What you got to watch out for, mostly with bur oaks, is watch out for porcupines because they'll kill the whole tree. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So then what I, you want to do is you want to put a, a chicken wire fence around them so they, the porcupines can't climb the tree. Okay. 
and it has to be out away from the trunk. You know, otherwise they just climb the chicken wire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, right. But otherwise, that uh, otherwise, if you're having the deer doing a lot of damage, then just put a fence. Uh, you know, like a snow fence, any kind of fence. Uh, you know, with fence posts around the tree, and then that'll help keep the the other bigger animals away from it. Corinne's in Humboldt. I bought clearance packs of begonias and uh, latris. L a t r s. Latris. Okay. Yeah. Uh, at a store, can I keep them and plant in the spring? Yeah, you definitely can. I would store those ones in maybe some soft um in a perforated um, container, maybe like some cardboard or a mesh um, bucket, like a milk crate or something like that. Right. Um, put them into cold storage. Um, keep them away from any uh, vegetables or fruits uh, that would give off an ethylene gas, so like uh, oranges, those types of things. You want to keep apples. them away. Apples. Keep them away from those things. Um, and then you can sort of, I would go in and check them every once in a while because the biggest thing is you don't want them to dry out completely where they're starting to, the moisture's coming out of the bulb. So I would maybe just get a, give a, a light mist that uh, that sawdust mixture like maybe about once a month just a light mist and you're not you're not soaking it or anything like that and then uh, and then yeah you can enjoy planting those again in the spring okay this is from Russ who's in Rose Valley says we lost count between 15 and 20 moles moles Mold. in about three weeks with three traps yep. look wow. for the freshest black dirt mounds to be the most successful trap and good luck everybody so it's working for Russ working we talk about that that, Go, uh, that uh, mole problem or caller uh, Colleen in Moose Jaw says when can I cut the tops off of asparagus they're still green. Thank okay, you so much. So asparagus, you don't actually want to cut the tops off of them if they have not grown to about the width of your pinky fingers. So if you take your pinky, look at it, and you don't see those spikes coming up about the width of your pinky, leave them alone right through the winter season. Don't cut them back until spring. Um, otherwise, if they're not, you can start harvesting them um, anytime. You want to get them down before frost if you want to store them um, for, for good eating. Um, but otherwise, you can knock them down. Um, as soon as you start seeing them sort of look weak, um, and the energy's gone back down into the root. Okay. Uh, Jeanette is in Regina. Will mice eat tomatoes? I noticed two tomatoes that had large trunks taken yep, out. Absolutely. I set up some snap traps, but no mice were caught. Maybe mice, it's a squirrel? squirrels. Okay, so it could be either. Squirrels. Sal, that was, I had a person just, just said they, they saw, actually were wondering what was getting their tomatoes, and then they actually saw the squirrels. <laughs> and then, you know, a squirrel probably won't go for a snap trap, right? Yeah. I mean, or it's not going to catch them properly, no, right? No, no, a squirrel's no. pretty big. So a squirrel's bigger. Yeah, yep. so it could be that so uh yep. yeah gotta there's lots them. of uh there's lots of uh, gophers will eat them yep gophers will eat them too mm-hmm. yeah their food uh this is colleen who's in saskatoon morning clover is taking over my lawn short of roundupping everything is there anything i can do to get grass growing again in place of the clover um basically if it's clover most likely your area is probably more moist and a little bit more shadier so if you want to choke out the clover then you plant a shade blend of grass seed the grass will grow faster than the clover, yep. so eventually what your goal yep. is is to have nice thick lawn that the clover is not going to yep. thrive in success. Mm-hmm. Yep. The clover also won't survive the winter as well as the grass will, so that's the other thing too. Is yep. you, you hope to maybe reseed a little bit through that winter season, um, maybe even do that one where Rick said put it down in October, yep. and then that clover will kind of choke out a little bit, and then that new grass seed will come up and take yep. over that clover. So spot. just a different blend of grass seed, that's all. This is from Lois, who's 90 miles west of Saskatoon. It says, I had a pot of calla lilies, which produced gorgeous blooms, but the pot seemed to be root-bound. So I separated the bulbs this spring, and then put them into four pots. They didn't bloom. I had one bloom all summer. What's the problem? Okay, now first of all, callas and cannas are two different things. Cannas look like they more have a banana leaf, whereas callas... Yeah, they're tall with dark purplish leaves. And so she's talking about callas, which have more of a cup-shaped um, flower to Little, them. Yeah, right. Now, with the, the callas, what she might want to do next year is um, start them earlier indoors um, so that she can get them going a little bit more, especially if you're separating your bulbs. Um, usually the first year after you separate them, I find that you might have not as good um, bloom power so, on So them. it's no surprise. No surprise, especially when you do that in the spring. If I'm going to separate them, I might want to do that in the, in the fall a little bit more. So yep. when I take them out, then do some separating of them. And then when I have time to plant them up, I'm not sort of disturbing the systems as and start them earlier like start them more like in in the end of march beginning of april indoors in pots i would start them mid-march because then then they then they have time to get growing and then when you transplant them outside after the risk of frost is gone they got a way head start and you'll get more blooms there you go uh this is jocelyn holliston saskatoon holliston 
area. Good morning, Rick and Jill. I love your show. Made some really nice uh, perennial flower beds this year, but I haven't been able to stop and stay on top of the quack grass that keeps coming through. Yeah. I've been digging down and pulling them out. Anything else I can spray on that won't hurt my soil and my perennials? Yeah, just just what you can do is take a paintbrush and paint the grass because you don't want to. You can't spray because you can hit the perennials. But using right. Roundup. But using the Roundup and just get take a foam, a, brush. a foam brush and just paint it onto the Yeah, onto you can get those leaves. foam brushes at the dollar yeah. store yeah. for very cheap. Mix yeah. up a cottage cheese container full of Roundup and then yeah. sort of paint that on there. The other thing around your perennials is sometimes what I'll do is I'll I'll put some mulch on it, about two to three inches, and that will help keep some of the that, grass out. That so does. But when you do pull it, it comes out just so simple and easy. Yeah, because when the soil is also moist, it, the yep. roots come out a lot easier exactly. too, and you can get, actually get them out. So yeah. keep on top of Jocelyn, paint that Roundup, and, uh, and go with that. Let's go to the phone lines. We've got uh, Marianne, who's in the Pike Lake area. Hi there, Marianne. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, my question is, I am wondering how do I prepare my uh, begonias for winter? Okay, so... I with, think it's Iconia, I think. Those are beautiful begonias. They so are. <laughs> what you're going to do is you're going to take those begonias and allow them to kind of... Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't let them hit the frost at all, like a hard frost, but just mm-hmm. maybe a light frost when their nighttime temperatures are getting just below five degrees. And then you can bring them indoors. You can do it one of two ways with them. You can sort of cut them back and let them grow as a as a house plant if you okay. want. Or you can cut them right back down once those so decrease your watering on them. Let the energy go back down into the bulb like you would do a dahlia. Mm-hmm. And then you can actually harvest those bulbs. And you can do it one of two ways. My grandmother um, is a begonia lover. And uh, so she always does it. She'll even harvest some of them and have them sort of stored. She'll dust the dirt off of them, um, cut the cut the tops off of them and store them sort of like a cold storage area. And the other ones she'll do is she'll keep them kind of out on her her, her deck or patio, but she'll just sort of cut them cut them off or in a in a garage area, cut mm-hmm. them off and then sort of decrease your watering on your on your soil and just sort of keep them in like sort of that, that cold that, storage. That garage area. area was basically just above zero. Yeah. Right? About about four or five degrees. And that worked really well for her too. Yep. So and then again you want to bring them up probably around that March time, start getting them yep, going for March. Fertilizing yep. them, watering them. So end of February, March is when you want to start your begonia. So it's a longer season crop to get your begonias going. A lot of people don't realize that. They start them in April, and then that's why they're not getting the blooming going on them. Okay. Okay. So I can split the bulbs? Is that... Um, I don't I don't know. You'd have to have a look at them once you get them out of the soil and no, have... Not really split them. might have a baby, like a little... Yeah, a little they baby, might have a little like a little, off, a little corn or a yeah. little pup off the side of them, and then you can separate those two. But if the, the, the bulb itself is usually one solid bulb, so you're usually not separating them, okay. um, they'll, they'll grow bigger and bigger every year. Okay. Okay? Perfect. Sounds All right. Thanks, good. Marianne. Take care. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Over to the text line. Uh, let's go to this one from... Uh, who, who is it? Not sure. Oh, Donna. There, in Donna in Morin Lake. I have some hens and chicks that are doing great in my garden. I'd like to transplant them into my new rock garden. Can I do that now, or should I wait until spring? What should I add to the soil to make them grow better? Uh, hens and chicks are yeah. a perennial, succulent, beautiful. I would wait till spring to do those ones. I don't usually like to move a lot of my perennials, um, especially that one there. That this uh, the root system is so shallow in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would wait till spring to do that one. For sure. Okay. Uh, let's go to this text from Laura, who's in Saskatoon. Macatoni Aster Hedge came with my house 23 years ago. Runs under the, under the length of a huge spruce tree. I've been removing dead branches. Now it looks like a, like a line of twigs. Stop cutting it back and the small branches growing up from the dirt, uh, around the area there uh, are there. But has it run out of a lifespan? Is it, is it over? Well, no, if it's going, I think you said underneath the spruce tree. Yeah. So there's not, there are two things, competition for moisture and nutrients mm-hmm. and also light. Mm-hmm. So sometimes in that area, you're just not going to get them to grow back as well. But uh, it depends if you have to, how low the branches of the spruce tree are down, right? Now with, with so, a Tony Aster, you can usually cut them back quite a bit though. Cut them back, to but rejuvenate not, but, them. But now you're going to need moisture and nutrients, right? But as right. soon as you add moisture and nutrients, the spruce says, says oh, beautiful. I'm going to put even more roots in that area. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a hard competition for that type of, for that type of situation if it's underneath the spruce tree. Mm-hmm. Right. It is, it's tough. So, so you, you can try to get them to come back, but like I said, it'll, 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 it'll be a struggle. So you might want to just think, okay, in that spot, I'm going to do something different. And it might be a pot on top of the ground with a bunch of flowers in it. Right, right? exactly. Okay, well, that pretty much wraps up the show. If we didn't get your text answered, we will get that on after. Dave is on the line. Dave will talk to you in just a moment. Just stay on the line for us. We'll get you on after we have to wrap up the show here. But 
A few things still need watering here and there, so don't give up just yet. Yep. Uh, fall is just kind of getting underway. Beautiful time to go for a drive in the country. Oh, yeah. So, you know, gorgeous. Enjoy, enjoy these last days of fall. Yeah, and nice, the nice weather. Otherwise, thanks. We'll see you next time for our one-hour show, 9 to 10, starting next weekend. Yes. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. You've been listening to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.